Welcome to Ticket to Gamehenge, the podcast that discusses the science behind how to get your friends and family to love our favorite band, Fish, as well as other fish-related topics from the community. You can grab a free chapter of the book at TicketToGameHenge.com. My name is Adam, and joining me as always is my good buddy, Dr. K. All right, here we go. Welcome back. Another week, Ticket to Gamehenge, episode 23. It is early January. The world is going to crap, but at least we have fish to keep us happy. Um, so for those of you that are regular listeners, we record this every Tuesday morning and typically post it Wednesday night, Wednesday afternoon, or sorry, Tuesday night, Wednesday afternoon. Um, it's been six days since all the craziness at the Capitol, and it feels like it was months ago, but we're not going to talk about that other than the one dude that was at the front of the line with the horns and the fur costume and, and the and the face paint. I was like, man, that guy belongs at a fish show. That guy's totally a wook. <laughs> Let's be real. <laughs> Probably not a fan, but yeah. anyway. I'm, I'm pretty sure there was lots of memes created with that guy. I'm sure one of um, might have one or two holy snapple crap i saw it like I, I don't even know how many i saw the other one about the dude holding the uh, lectern and all that shit it's just i don't know we feel for you our american friends it's uh, pretty shitty what's going on but anyway it's no listen it's no this is political as i'm gonna get today it's it's not as violent in canada let's make no mistake it's just as messed up here in canada sure sure uh yep yep i won't argue with that we're really not that different just have different accents. Um, so uh, let's kick it off with some fun. I, I really, really like this post. And um, I've had this with many songs in my life where uh, you think you know the lyrics, but you don't exactly know the lyrics. And probably the most famous song that I think applies to that, not fish, this famous song is, what do you think? Not fish? Yeah, the, the, the most famous misquoted lyric. What do you think it is? Oh. Do I know the song? And, and, yeah, sure you would. And this is me just making it up based on what I know. I don't know if this is an unofficial fact, but I think it's one of the most misquoted or uh, jokingly misquoted songs. Is it the Beaches? Purple Haze, excuse me while I kiss this guy, is what a lot of people think the line is. Instead of, excuse me while I kiss the sky. Um, excuse me while I kiss this guy. <laughs> Um, we talked about, uh, and it's, we think it's very much on purpose in the moment dance. The official lyrics are the moment ends though. I feel wins ends E N D S, but, uh, I hear the, the moment dance. So, uh, a user, <laughs> great name, user critical beaver, uh, posted wrong lyrics thread. And the only sub or the little part underneath that is the lotion is love. Um, so I'll read a couple of these. Uh, this is the first one. I love it. I come from Taco Mountain, baby. <laughs> it's pretty good. Uh, this is one, I read it and I went, huh, why is that wrong? And then I had to look at the lyrics and the line is, you got your night shades on. Nice shades, nice, they look nice. Yes, I always thought as you got your night shades on. I, I just misheard it. I don't know why, maybe I'm thinking of, uh, uh, Corey Hart, where my sunglasses at night. <laughs> I don't know. That's not even the context of the. That's not even within the context of the song. I know, but you and I have talked before about the way I listen to music. I almost don't hear the words of the lyrics. Like I don't connect the 
poetry, for lack of a better term, or the story until many, many listens after. I almost hear lyrics as if there are other instruments and percussion and how they fit into the song. And then I come back and I'll go, oh shit, that's what that song means. I like, I, that's how I, how I listen. So do you tend to pay attention to, to lyrics the first time you hear a song? Like, can you? I pay, I pay attention to, I mean, I think it's a little bit different for every song, but yeah, I mean, um, the voice is like the melody, right? So it's like an instrument playing the melody is how I hear it first. And then gotcha. I go back and I listen. So let me guess, Sample in a Jar is on there. A legume. I haven't seen it yet, but that is a tricky one. That's one that uh, I, I remember on the way home from the show last year, we were in Starbucks and you looked up the lyrics on that while we were waiting yeah, for I our coffee. Up, I looked up the binding belt and closing me. Right. I what he was saying. See, I do stuff like that. I don't just mumble fucking bullshit. And <laughs> I do. Right. <laughs> And I think growing, but also in our family, it's always been a thing growing up where we purposely change the lyrics to be silly to certain songs. I do it with the girls' songs and goofy stuff all the time, just to mess with them. Um, here's one: I I saw you with a chicken sub in your hand. <laughs> uh, Caesar with a tweezer, like the drink Caesar. For those Americans, think of a Bloody Mary. In Canada, we call it a Caesar, and it's much much better. And she's going to be mortified that I'm telling you this. Do you want to hear I, my favorite all-time misquoted lyrics? Of course. So the people, the people that are Canadian that know the tragedy hit, you know that song, Little Bones? Mm -hmm. The chorus is, baby, eat this chicken slow. It's full of all them little bones. Yeah, baby, yeah. Rochelle heard, baby, eat this chicken sub, soda pop, and little bombs. <laughs> And, and and let me guess, went on for years, years thinking that, right? I came on the radio and I sang the chorus yeah. and she's and she started dying. I'm like, what's so funny? You know, and then the story came out. The next couple are some of my favorites. Um, this is a good one. I wheeled around because I didn't hear what you had said. I saw you dancing with a gay dude up on Emo's bed. <laughs> I saw you dancing with a gay dude. Uh, this was the first post originally. It's since kind of come down towards the bottom, but I upvoted it. Uh, you shut her ass, it comes to pass. <laughs> you shut her ass, it comes to pass. Um, so this is one that, like, do you know the words to Reba? Yeah. You do? Yep. I don't, I don't. I've never made the attempt. I've never read them. I really should. Uh, so Reba, Reba sank a boulder in the water. Reba tie a cable to a tree. Reba stuck, a game, stuck in a game of lipstick, perfume, flypaper. Reba pressed a razor to a slide across a needle with a prune. Does that make any sense? That's all accurate. Oh, is it? Yeah. So that's not misquoted at all? Why would I, they post the... Maybe the last one. I don't know the words off by heart. I think that's one of the... Uh, I think that's one of the things that actually, to, to take it back to like actual genuine music, I think that's one of the things that makes Reba such an outstanding song is that like the pacing and the vocals are like really hard to sing. Sure. Yeah. Like I, I get, I get messed up every time. I had been going to like, I, I can't even. Um, but I think if I were to read them, I would get better. I mean, I did learn that countries of the world song at one point. So um, yeah. I think yeah. I could, yeah. United States, Canada, Mexico, Panama, Haiti, Jamaica, Peru. Republic Dominican, Cuba, Caribbean, Green, and El Salvador too. Um, what else we got in here? Uh, a bag it, tag it, sell it to the butcher and the whore. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, oh, to be Prince Caspian, uh, Prince Caspian who stops instead of me. Uh, 
I get so overwhelmed by olfactory hues. It's the spelling, right? It's olfactory, like well, yeah. it's smelling. Yeah. Um, uh, from Twist, I smoked an eighth for many days instead of I spoke your name. I nice. smoked an eighth for many days. <laughs> uh, taste the beer for the devil's drawing near. Uh, yeah, somebody posted the moment dance. Um, Vernon down the house. Uh, what else? <laughs> <laughs> what else is good in here observing echoing footballs uh yeah it's good we'll have to come up with some more of that it's right is that like some of the lyrics are weird so it's you know you don't know what to expect so it's like i don't know man not completely out to lunch on some of them i just gave you a hard time because you're my buddy yeah no i uh that's totally cool and that's you know it, it's something that i think I rewatched Bittersweet Motel again the other night because uh, it's just an easy watch and I like watching it. And again, I was remembering that scene where they're talking about Tom's lyrics and then Trey eventually goes into sleep. And yeah. um, I wonder if, like, I think lyrically, it might be one of the early things that turns non-fans off when they when they attempt to listen to Fish. They find it a bit confusing and a bit weird because it's, it's not traditional. Um, it, you really have to pay attention and read between the lines in terms of what the songs are about and what's going on it's not easy okay so here's interesting for you you just finished telling me and i would agree and i think most people listen to music like this they don't hear the words first and now right. you're telling me that the words first are a turn off isn't that weird to the people that well okay yes yes i agree with you right i agree with you i think certain lyrics i think certain words will stick out and you'll hear lyrics the first time you hear a song and you're like what mm -hmm. What? The hell? I want to. I should. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So there are obviously songs like that. That's a really good example. So um, wait, you can't ignore those lyrics. That's not one where you're you're, you're going to need five or six listens to understand what the lyrics are. So for me, if it's a band that I like um, and I'm listening to an album for the first time or whatever, I'm not paying attention to the lyrics. But if you were to come to me with a band that I've never heard or, you know, hey, check out this song, I'm yeah. probably going to pay attention. And even if I don't quite get the words, the frequency, the pace, the type, I mean, you still hear the lyrics, even though you might not connect what it's about. You hear the phrasing, you hear the words that are used. Um, I think it's a little bit too, at times, highbrow for some people. It's not basic enough. It, it, it can be complex. Obviously, they have songs that are pretty basic lyrically. But I think it's 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 that. I don't know if I did a good job explaining it, but if you're not accustomed to listening to it and then you tack on the funny lyrics on top of some of the music, it's a bit too much, I think, for a lot of people. Has I think there, it was for me when I first started listening. Has there ever been a, a band or a genre where you're like, I, because of the lyrics, I can't listen to this or I don't want to? The only thing I can really think of is, I guess, what people would label as screamo. Yeah. And the only reason I really uh, ever made an attempt to listen to it was I used to work with a guy who was a lead singer in a band that toured all over North America. They were they were they were known to be really really good in that circle. Still yeah. had to work as a uh, in retail. Um, but I remember uh, a a guy that we both worked with had passed away, and um, a store manager, really really great guy, one of those classic too young too soon couldn't happen to a better person type of story. And he worked for him, uh, this guy that, were, that, would, that was in the band. So they've got an album coming out. And he goes, hey, Adam, you got to listen to my new album. And I went, yeah, yeah, for sure. He goes, I wrote this song about Jeremy. 
And I went, oh, wow, okay. I listened to it and I couldn't make out a single word because it's like that kind of thing. And then meanwhile, but people within that world understood it and know it. It's just the type of music I haven't listened to enough to really understand. It's really the only thing that's turned me on. I haven't really delved into a lot of speed rap or country or anything like that, but that's really it. How about you? Uh, there's some metal stuff that I can't listen to. Just because yeah. I, hate, I hate the content. I don't like like the gore and the violence. I think it's disgusting, which is too bad because like I like a lot of it for its technical. I like some of the technical stuff. But sure. one of the things for sure, you know, the more like you get into those genres and you're like, what the hell are these people saying? And it's amazing. After a period of time, you can actually hear the lyrics. Right. So it's seeing eye tricks. Yeah. And the only thing I can really equate that to is uh, I lived in Newfoundland for two years and the accent out there is completely different from everywhere else in in the rest of the country. And it took me a bit to get it. You, you can get by. I mean, if you showed up to Newfoundland today, you can navigate, you can understand people. But when they get drinking and get speaking very, very quickly, you get some people that have a super thick accent. I had been there for a few months. My parents came to visit. We went to dinner. A guy at the table next to us while we were at dinner leaned over and told us a joke. We all laughed when he told the joke. A few minutes later, he was finished. That man, he was finished his meal. He got up and he left. And as soon as he left, my parents turned to me and went, okay, so what was the joke? And that's when I went, holy shit, I understand this and you don't. And I'm sure like anything, like listening to fish, the more you listen to it, the more you connect it, the more you get it, the more you understand it. Um, I love it because it's so layered. I keep finding new things when I listen to it. But I think it would be the same if I got into you know, my, my outlook right now on country music is the very generic. It mostly all sounds the same to me. I'm sure if I spent a ton of time, I could find differences and hear it, but <laughs> you're still going thumbs down. Yeah, I, it's not really for me. Um, it sounds too similar amongst all the different artists and it's almost all men. I don't know. Um, I'll stick with my fish any day of the week. But It's interesting, right? Because I think the lyrics... I would, you know, I, I think Trey put it the best in the Bittersweet Mattel when he was like, I just, I totally disagree. He's like, I think Tom's a genius. I think Tom's a genius too. You know, there's songs that there's, there's certain lyrics, there are certain lines that just resonate and connect and become super important parts of your life because they will, you've heard the song so many times, it's, you're going to get one of those ones that really, you know, embodies how you feel right now during one of those times. Yeah. yeah. Do you have any favorite uh, songs lyrically? from fish like any any that stick out that are some of your favorites or even some favorite lines well i i, I learned how to play reba on the guitar and learning how to, to play the guitar while singing the parts i was like holy shit this is really, this is really good right so not necessarily for the content but mm -hmm. for the technicality and what's required um to uh to play like that i think is you know i think that that top of mind that stood out mm -hmm. um well, Trey, Trey is, uh, and again, you know that I don't play, but um, Trey is exceptional at playing complicated licks and scales while singing over complicated lyrics. And given and given the um, the depth of the lyrics, how many there are in certain songs and how often they play, he very rarely flubs a line. He, like he really rarely screw, screws up. And when he does, whatever, band keeps going, and it's great. It's sort of a funny moment, but. Yeah, it's very, very impressive that he's able. I'm always, I'm always blown away at um, what is it? I think it's silent in the morning. Yeah. And he's playing that, and he's still singing over. It. And down with disease is another one that he's constantly going and singing over it. That's the, you know, those are just two that stick out. But I always find that very, very impressive. 
uh, to be able to independently separate, almost like how Fishman can can do all four limbs in separate rhythms that can connect in weird ways. It's awesome. Um, my favorite line uh, is from Rift, the passion that sparked me one terrible yeah. night. Yeah, it, it, it shocked and persuaded my soul to ignite. I, and it, you know, it brings me back to the first time I heard that song. Um, not remembering that lyric, but it, it, it uh, yeah, it really kind of came together. Awesome. Um, uh, so I wanted to segue into, I'm going to bring it up on my phone here. Uh, there was an interview that was released yesterday uh, uh, on Polster uh, with Trey. Really, really good interview. Let me just get it up here. Talked about a lot of things. It, it, it was focused around the Beacon Jams and about the approach going into it, how it came about, um, his reservations, and kind of where they're going to go from here. Um, so I know, uh, you know we covered all the Beacon Jams. One of the things that really stuck out that I saw first, which made me go in and read this interview, was um, they had originally planned for Fishman to be there for two weeks. So he was there for week five, which was Ghosts of the Forest. He was planned to be there for week six, and they were going to do some different songs and some fish songs that Trey, Trey, Trey quotes um, saying that, that he wouldn't play with anybody else other than Fishman. But what happened was he had to go home because he's going through his divorce. Um, so I found that was interesting. And then after week five, the morning after, when he, uh, Trey had to get ready for week six, he had everything planned because Fishman was going to be there. Then he had nothing. So he had to completely restructure. So Yem got played in week six, wasn't originally planned to be played. Um, but yeah, they, uh, so let me, let me, let me look at some of, some of the good highlights in here. Um, so one of the reservations, so somebody had introduced him to Twitch. He had never heard of it. Everyone in his life under 30 knew of, knew of Twitch nice. and everyone over 30 didn't really know. So he started watching it. He said, he just started watching Twitch and logging on and became fans of some musicians on there and how they interacted with their fans. But then the reservation was, well, fish is big. You're gonna have thousands of people commenting on there. How are you gonna be able to interact with all these? Because if you watched the messages as they were coming through, you had to be a speed reader. Like, how could you pick things out? But they were doing that, right? They were picking up comments in between songs. So his daughter, Eliza, was at every show. And she was there in front of him and using friends at home to send her and filter all the messages that were coming through. So she would kind of tap them on the side and have them ready to go and then post them for the band to see for Trey to talk about. That's kind of what was going on there. I thought that was an interesting behind the scenes thing. Um, almost like a curator of comments, I guess, if you will. Uh, which was good because I, I, I think that was one of the better parts of the Beacon Jams. I mean, the music was great, but just seeing the organic conversation, the reaction to the stuff that was put on there, I thought that was really, really good. Um, sorry? I would agree, yeah. Yeah. Um, what else here? Uh, so also talking about the future, like could this could this work with the band? So he, he fell in love with streaming, traded, and it sounds like imminently we're going to see him again. But for the band, it's a matter of the right opportunity. Logistically with them, it was too tough because of where they live, family and kids and having the quarantine or the isolations leading into all these other get-togethers, which I think we had kind of talked about. But that's been one of the biggest hurdles for them. Um, the other thing that I thought was really interesting was they, he talks about how the guys in the band watched some of the dinner in a movies and they've never seen fish before. They are fish. 
right? So for them to be on the outside looking in and to go back and look at, you know, a show from 96 or, or, or uh, Trey talks about how he would watch it and be like, not critical, but just interesting. He would listen to Paige more or just listen to other things with the band. I, I, I think that would be really, really interesting. Um, he talked about some songs that, that uh, there was a part in here where each week they would have 20 to 40 songs that they could potentially play. And he said it was a ton of work that once the weekend jams were done, like the week after it was the worst week of the pandemic for him because it was like, well, now what, what do I do? He put so much into it, got a lot out of it. And it was really, it was really tough to not be doing it anymore. But he commented on a song like Free, they were going to play it. And he made the arrangement, did everything. It just didn't work. It, it didn't sound good. So they decided not to do it. So there was a lot that was tried. It sounds like in rehearsal that was uh, tossed out. Um, talks about Don Don Hart, the guy that wrote Time Turns Elastic with him and helping out with all of the uh, arrangements and stuff. But I want to get to the part, I want to read it to you about what he says about the band and going forward and what that could possibly possibly be because i haven't read the interview but here's what i'm hoping you're going to tell me i would get i would i would happily pay to have a live stream of just fish rehearsing mm -hmm. like just turn on the phone and i'd be more than happy to sit there for however long you guys want to you know to be a fly on the wall to see you know how they practice and what they sound like and how that all goes i think that would be super cool right Agreed. Um, yeah, I, I love that kind of stuff, right? I, I was, when I was watching Bittersweet Motel the other night and, you know, they're sitting in the back, goofing around when he's playing, uh, talking about Paige's shirt. This that kind of stuff is great. So I'll read this. Um, so he kind of says that uh, Trey ends um, answering a question what with, you know, um, I'm hoping it's not going to be long uh, uh, that we're going to get together and play. It's not that long now, hopefully. And then the uh, interviewer said, let's hope. This is Trey's, Trey's answer. But I'm going to do something else. I traditionally am a little bit more restless than the other guys. My role in Fish has always been the cheerleader. I'm like, what do you mean we're not going to do something for Halloween? We have to. Let's just make up a band. Come on. Come on, you guys. That's always been my, my role. I get excited and like call everybody up. I've tried that throughout the pa pa pandemic. But there's implications. I'll give you an example. I did throw some things out about some fish options, but the quarantine rules were so strict and you have to go by the rules. Fish is in Maine with five children and he's just going through a divorce right now. It's not going to happen. Paige has three kids and he's in uh, Vermont. We talked about doing some stuff at the barn, uh, which, and then they quote what the barn is. Obviously, we know that. And everybody was kind of in. But what it turned out was, uh, but what it turned out was that going from Maine to Vermont was so messed up because you had to do like seven days on either end. It was like a 14 day commitment to play to, together at the barn for one day. It just wasn't useful. So we'll see, but as soon as it's feasible, we'll be back. And I will say this too, the amount of conversation and connection that the four of us have, it's really over the top at this point. It's kind of funny. We talk a lot because of COVID, they stream these dinner and a movie concerts. And then he kind of talks about the dinner and a movie um and his perception of it and he just never had the time to go back and and uh, watch it so um i have to say there's a secret part of me that is not just finalist but deeply understanding the point of view of all four band members that we're just gonna wait uh because the moment that we're back on stage together is just gonna be so laughs i can't even i played with Paige about the barn in mid-december we just did this big jam and after it it was over we were both crying 
like literally tears. It's so, it's so deep after all these years, the brotherhood is just everything, the loss, the friends, the family, everything. And it just comes through the music. Something about this idea that our community is in the room with us after everything everybody has gone through is going to be dot, dot, dot. Just tell me where to be. I'm there. I'll ride my bike with an amp on my back if you let me. So that's sort of where it's at. Obviously itching to get back in it with the band. He's restless. We know how much Trey is always loving to play. Um, I don't know. It gives me it gives me hope. Um, and I had read that kind of last night, this morning, closed that, and then went and read something else that Dr. Fauci is saying that, you know, hopefully concerts by fall, if 70% of the population is vaccinated. That's what Fauci put out there. So I don't know what it means for 2021, but I think there's a lot of good things to take from that. I mean, it, you know, the appreciation of the position that they're in, the fact that they're in a great place, like the four of them that they, you know, and that was evident with the chess match on New Year's Eve, how much they get along, like how much fun it is for them to be together playing. And uh, it's going to be a big deal. The longer it goes until they play again, when they finally come back, holy shit, that's what I'll pay the $30 and watch it live that night. You know, I, I, I think I, I think it'll be great. We'll have to get together that night, regardless of even if you have COVID and I have COVID. Fuck, we'll have a COVID party. I don't care. <laughs> Talking about this live, buddy. Sorry, I'm uh, I'm forbidden. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I totally understand. Um, but um, now, interesting. So, like, okay. So, I don't know why my brain went here, but you just you read me all of that, you know. Mm -hmm. And there was a a thread that it was like, hey, what parts about fish don't you like? Somebody started that thread. I don't know if you saw that one. No. Yeah, yeah, somebody started the, what, you know, what don't you like about them? You know, he's like, yeah, you know, we're all fans, but like what parts? And a lot of people wrote like all the love and light lyrics, mm. you know, like that's been like 3.0 for the majority of all the, the, the new writing processes, right? Yep. It's funny because I understand both positions. Like, how do you not, how do you not, you know, because... Trey's obviously genuine in how he feels. How do you create angrier, darker music when you feel that way? Right. I don't you know? think, I mean... It, but, it how you, but, how, but how as a, as a fan do you pretend, you know, that, uh, that the latest material, you know, that Soul Planet is as good as like Reba or Tweezer? Right, or something like more, you know, or pulsating with love and light. Yeah. yeah, and they're very different, but I think, like, I think it's reflective of the evolution of them as people. For sure, dude. Nobody's arguing that. Yeah, and I get it. I mean, there's, um, uh, yeah, there are times where you're like, okay, but I don't know. It doesn't bother me. I think you can, if you want to, and this is a big thing, um, a big songwriting strategy of Dave Matthews, the darker the sounding music, the up, more uplifting and brighter the lyrics are. So he likes to sort of contrast like a really, really a dark sounding song, but what the lyrics are actually very, very positive. Um, I don't know, I think there's ways to do it if you want to do it, but if you don't want to do it, you shouldn't have to do it. That's, it's up to them. That's the point, right? They don't want to do it, so fuck it. Yeah, yeah. and. You know, sure, we, we'd all love to like to sort of step into a time machine and, and kind of make it happen. But it, um, what's the term that I'm looking for? It's, I think it's naive to think that a band 
shouldn't change or that they shouldn't evolve or try new different things. Think if, if, if it were you, you're not doing the exact same stuff in your work day to day as you were 10, 11 years ago. You've evolved. You've found new ways to innovate. You've got new practices, new, new technology you can use to bring into the fold, whatever it might be. They're doing the same thing. But make no mistake, it's still fish. It's still it's still identifiable. It's not like they're, you know, U2 is making a departure into disco for a little bit in 1997. It's nothing like that. I don't know. I like where it's at, but I I get it. When we talk about the, the you know, the fishiest fish songs, virtually none of them are 3.0. Um, um, but I, like, I don't know, man. I think part of it too is just the nostalgia of what it was like back then. Mm-hmm. You know, I think like when we talk about like the the, the 1.0 shows or, or or that stuff, I think it's just remembering the whole scene and where you were at and what it felt like to be, you know, for us, like in college with like nothing else to do, not in a pandemic where we're like, shit, I'm not going to pay my fucking bills, you know, stuff mm-hmm. like that. I think that's a big part of it. You know, I think people are genuine in the fact that they like that stuff better, but they shouldn't have to create it. It is what it is. Yeah, yeah, and look, the fact that the band is still is still touring. I mean, clearly not right now, but they're making efforts, and they still play those songs. They're part of the rotation. They haven't put it away. It's still part of the fish world. I don't know. Um, it'll never go back to how it was, and and in a weird way, it shouldn't. Not in a weird way, it just shouldn't. Good for them moving forward and creating new music and bringing new stuff in and. Dude, it's it was called the Fish Conquers America tour for a reason, mm-hmm. right? Like if you watch like those early interviews and even like Bittersweet Motel, you know that part where Trey's like, you know, we're having the best tour we had in years and nobody really cares, and you can like feel like that, you know, like that chip on your shoulder, like the fuck you, man, like we're killing ourselves. This shit is awesome, and you don't care. Mm-hmm. Stick it to you. That you know that's 1.0 fish versus. I'll drive with an amp, even though he would have drove with an amp on his back back then. Yeah. Right? Like you have families and you're grateful for like all the stuff that you've you've done and people have died. Mm-hmm. Love. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, now he's got his daughter curating all the comments in front of him versus, you know, you go back and listen to one of these game show or uh, the game hen shows from 1994 and uh, sue was pregnant they didn't even have a kid yet totally totally different life um and you know we talked about the ascension up the mountain not to say that they're on their way back down but the, the, you know when you think about everything look at the fish history in the mid 90s the way that they were climbing and peaking and you know going it's it's uh yeah those eight nine years were just absolutely incredible um i was thinking uh yesterday because i'm listening to 2010 and i'm at the end of june and it's funny that um you know my first show was in 2000 uh 2010 to me doesn't seem like that long ago right it's 11 years um but in 2010 1999 the same amount of time would have felt like a shit ton of time ago yet the gap in between in terms of the amount of shows that are played if you look at like 2000 shows and 99 up to 2010 there's not that many shows in between because of the breaks um yet the sound changed so much in that in that uh, time it's just been funny kind of looking at that the timelines and now it's sort of been playing tricks on my brain you know the, the longer you get away from something it doesn't really seem like it's that long ago but at some point it did time time turns elastic as you know right 
uh, I think I think your master plan is to bring up times turns elastic every time we talk. Well, no, it's probably it, they've only played it once in 2010 so far. I'm at uh, June 29th, I want to say. So I'm kind of right in the middle of the summer tour. And I know the last time it's been played is in October of that year. So it, it's going away. It's, it's clearly going away, even in this tour, once after about 15 shows. So it's even after the first year of 2009, they put it on the back burner a bit in 2010 and then eventually killed it off. And um the last time that it played, you could you could hear the fan reaction was was uh, mediocre at best. It just didn't have that same kind of pop that you typically get. So I don't know. Uh, if, still, if you could only listen to one year of fish for the rest of your life, what year would you pick? What's your favorite year? Right now, I'd have to say twenty nineteen. Because I love, yeah, like I love everything off of Sigma Oasis. I love, like, I love the 3.0 songs. The 2019 tour, um, or year, I guess, even if you go back to the Mexico shows all the way up to the New Year's run, it's just great. There was there was a bit of everything in there. Some really, really good jams. Um, the catalog went really, really deep. I don't know. And, and I guess it's the latest because it would be the most complete. It would have all of the songs. If not then, if I had to pick like a year from yesteryear, I haven't gone through, I mean, I'm going in order and I'm only in 2010, but I would say 99, 99. Yeah. Up to the, up to the break in 2000. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably, that's probably fair. I know I'm, I'm technically jumping years, but I would like do a year from like the last show to a year before then. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, who knows? Maybe we'll get uh, a great tour in 2021 or 2022, but, um, you know, it's encouraging. Hopefully, hopefully one day it's going to happen and we'll be there in some fashion. I hope. Anyway, all right, man. Any, anything else from you this week? All good. All right. All right, sir. Okay, everybody keep telling your grandparents. That's the rule. You know how to do that. Um, tell your aunts and uncles. Great aunts and uncles are also really interested in what you're up to. So tell them. Um, but uh, thanks for listening. <laughs> yeah, obviously not. Thanks for listening. Stay safe out there, everybody. And, uh, just remember, we're one day closer to hearing fish again, right? Yes. Okay. Okay. Bye. Take care, everybody. Bye. You've been listening to Ticket to Gamehenge. In addition to wherever you find your podcasts, you can find us on Instagram, YouTube, and of course, TicketToGameHenge.com, where you can grab a free chapter of the book, How to Get Your Friends Into Fish. Make sure you subscribe to stay up to date on the latest episodes. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, keep sharing in the groove.